Hello and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast. It's another edition of the Wolves Fancast Alternative Hall of Fame, or as we like to call it... It's the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for... Outstanding Achievement in... Before we get into it, if you like what you hear on these podcasts and you've got iTunes, give us a five-star review on iTunes and a comment. It helps us up the ratings, apparently, so just take that as you will. Now, we've already got episodes in our Alternative Hall of Fame on Milias and DeWolf, so they're on our archives. You can listen to them on all the usual podcast places. So, for this episode, we're going to talk about, well, somebody I'm sure you know already. Hamill back to Jarvis, in towards Anakobe! 1-1! That's how you make up for the earlier error. Well, he may not have defended very well for the opening goal, but at the other end, he rectifies that mistake. And look at the emotion. He's going to enjoy it and milk it. It's a fantastic equaliser for the home side. He looked more like a WWE superstar than he did a footballer, but George Adekobe was a gentle giant who could, who could use his built-like-a-brick-shit-house physique when he needed to. Uh, we're going to obviously talk about George Adekobe on this alternative Hall of Fame episode. On the Skype line, we've got Gully. Hello, Gully. Hello, guys. Uh, got Andy as well. Hello. Um, Dave in with the early swears again. It's got getting to. a bit of a habit, Dave. Well, as on the group chat... Our conversation. I thought now every episode, if I don't get swearing early, I feel like I'm letting the side down. Clearly, Dave is distressed in this lockdown. Yeah, it's getting to me. Showing me a a different side of Dave, heel Dave, as I like to call it. Um, (laughs) Gents, uh, George Edicobi. He joined Wolves in January of 2008 for around half a million pounds. He was at Wolves for. Six years. I want you guys to cast your mind back to the dizzy heights of 2008 when we were all allowed outside and we could hug each other. Um, Gully, I'll come to you first. What, do you remember what your initial thoughts were of Elokobe when we signed him? Had you heard of him before or was he a bit of a I kind of an unknown? It, it was like many of that squad. I think um, there, a lot of them came from relative obscurity to, to us all. You know, we're obviously used to signing big name kind of um, players who were kind of on the way down in their careers most of the time um, and we had the old whatnot going on and it was a bit alien to us all and kind of the most alien thing about Ella Kobe to me is I'd never actually seen a player with his kind of build before I think he was the first player that we all kind of obviously we've got Adama Traore these days but I don't know if you guys can recall ever seeing a player of that kind of physique actually play professional football. Um, so it was a new one. No, definitely. yeah, it was totally strange. The only Every... one I can remember would have been is it Akin Fenwa, the lower yeah. league player who was an absolute unit. But I mean, still he playing. Looked as... yeah. yeah, yeah. But there wasn't that we pl- uh, we'll probably get into a bit more of Elico, but everybody was hoping for the day. That Akin Fenwa and Elokobi would meet on the pitch, and I think it did happen. <laughs> was it against Gillingham in League One? Did that mo- that moment did actually happen, didn't it? Oh, it might, yeah, yeah, I think it yeah, did. It does. it does. I think uh, yeah, and uh, what a clash of the titans that must have been. <laughs> um, but you, you kind of you know, footballers 
you know, before they became the lithe kind of, you know, absolute perfect specimens that they are now, back in them days, they were all kind of thick set, lower body, you know, heavy, um, you know, calves like, you know, built out of, you know, kind of carved out of mountains and stuff. But he was almost the reverse of that, um, in that his upper body was so big and you wondered how he came into professional football as a result of that, you know, kind of physique. But yeah. Um, let's talk about some stats on Elikobi. At Wolves, he in all competitions, he made 103 appearances. He scored four goals. And obviously, we'll talk about one of those goals. I think we all know where one goal came from. But, Jens, could you tell me where he scored the other three against in his career at Wolves? He scored another one against Man United away. He did, yeah. I think he scored one against Norwich. Is it Norwich? No, Sunderland, sorry, away he yep. scored. And the reason I know this other one, it was against Millwall in a League Cup tie because that was the day I picked up my dog, who is called George, <laughs> named after the man himself. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah, excellent. that's all correct. Yeah, so obviously the one against Man United away, Sunderland and uh, Millwall. What a great start there. There was uh, there was another goal just before you finish. Um, it won't be recorded because it was a pre-season friendly uh, um, okay. against Blackburn. Um, it might have been the season before he went into the Premier League 09. Um, I think he'd probably obviously just come back from his injury at the time. And um, I was a ball boy that day. Um, I vividly remember Roque Santa Cruz having a shot that landed straight in my hands. It was um, Mick and his famous multi-ball system. So you had two ball boys, uh, one fetcher and one thrower. Um, and I was the fetcher. Um, and then I'd hand over the ball to the thrower, who would then obviously whichever player required it um, and Georgia Lacobi scored a header from a corner that day so um, you know fond memories I think also just think of a pre-season I think he also scored against Real Zaragoza at home in a pre-season friendly where he just basically battered into the goalkeeper and I think the goalkeeper was like down for 10 minutes afterwards <laughs> and there was there was even arguments about whether the goal should stand and I think they gave it in the end I always remember that. Just there was like loads of added time because of it. Um, Gents, that goal against Man United when Wolves were uh, were Wolves equalised, it always seems to come back as kind of a favourite goal over the last recent years uh, at Molyneux. Do you think it's a bit of an iconic moment at Molyneux, or are we giving it too much credit? No, I think so. It's iconic, especially because that season was the season when we seemed to be. Well, we were quite poor generally, but we did really well against the bigger teams, didn't we? Because we'd beat Chelsea that year as well at home. I mean, yep. a few minutes where actually it was great. But we went 1-0 down in that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Even and Elikobi got done by well. Nani, I remember. Yes, yes, um, he did. Yeah, which was Elikobi in a bit of a microcosm. Um, especially, uh, he, the whole game was essentially about him <laughs> in many ways. Yeah, so he, he sort of dug us out of his own error, really, and then pulled us back. And it was his celebration that it was he was the happiest man in the world to have scored that goal. It was yeah. brilliant. It was so, like, like you say, so iconic. Corner flag didn't stand a chance, really, did it? No. <laughs> no. Amazed he didn't shatter, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, like you talk about it being iconic. I can vividly picture that goal in my head right now without watching it or anything. You yeah. know, it's a very, you know, like you say, iconic goal and you know that goes to show that it's it's really quite memorable um 
the second one, um, you um, know, um, still to Kobe this, Well, still to this day, who scores it, Doyle or Elikobi? I listened back to the old old club that um, Elikobi did, and uh, he, he he is convinced that Doyle stole the goal. But apparently, in the post match interview, he basically gave it to Doyle um, on camera. So I don't think he's got a leg to stand on anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> So, I, I just yeah. love I just love the fact that there could there could have been a moment in that game where Ella Kobe was on a hat trick against Man United. <laughs> That's I much think, better. Had he scored again, yeah. If he'd have scored again and got another goal later in the game, he would. There's no way he'd have given it to Doyle. No, he would have, he would have claimed that ball <laughs> for his own. And you wouldn't want to fight him for it. That's no. no, no, no. And, and oh, when I look back at that goal. You look at like it's just his position, the turn, how he really swings his head around as well. Just get it into that kind of top top right hand corner. I mean, it's just a great finish in general. It's a, it's a really good header. It's a really good header. Um, and I think it, you know he was quite. I still to this day think he was slightly underrated as a footballer. Um, you know, we talk about cult heroes and alternative you know halls of fame and things and there's a there's a hint of um perhaps you know just a bit of a bit of laughter about it and maybe a bit of a a mockery about it um to a certain extent i don't want to say that everybody in our hall of fame is um you know quite um, sarcastically inducted i don't know dave if that's what you're going for but no, I but still... I think I think there'll be some questions about the episode we do after this. But we'll we'll leave that as a tease okay. for another week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I still think Elikobi, um Going back to you know my memories of him when he when he had that injury um, in the season that we got promoted, very. I think about that, and do I think we would have still got promoted if he'd played through the entire season? If you know Stephen Ward hadn't obviously then filled in in the left-back position, I still think we would have gone up um, without any kind of um, trouble whatsoever, given that the, the form he was in at the time. Yeah, if anything, I, I think it might have been a bit of a downgrade to end up playing a former striker at left-back. I think we'd have won the league as a canter, to be honest, as, as we did anyway. Well, talking about his career, obviously, when he came into the squad, he was initially a regular feature. And as, as Goody mentions there, four games into his second season at Wolves, he suffered a knee ligament injury, was out for the season. But he did make it back on the last game of the season as a substitute uh, against Doncaster Rovers. Um, he didn't then have a, good, a couple of good runs um, in the Premier League before then being made available on loan in February 2012 after only making eight appearances in the, in what was Mick McCarthy uh, his final Premier League season. So do you think Ella Kobe had run his course with being a Premier League player, or do you think he perhaps could have played a bit more at that level? I'm, I don't know if anyone else would have come in for him purely because he'd had a run of poor injuries and he was playing in a poor team as well which which obviously doesn't help him but I think he could have played more for us in the Premier League because I can't really remember any other left back coming in and making that position their own if I'm honest left back's I... always been a position we've always been a little bit shit at and I, I know Gully's a fan of Lee Naylor but he was a player that needed upgrading well before and I don't think we've ever nailed down a left back up until Johnny, to be perfectly honest with you. 
we've we've not had a consistent left back um, post Lee Naylor at all. Essentially, I think Stephen Ward is probably the closest thing mm. to that, and even he was make. If you go back to the before we signed Elakobi, I was having to look through, um, you know, some of the squads that that, that were were put out that season, and Michael Gray was playing at left back, and um, before that it was like Jamie Clapham, um, slash Jackie McNamara, who obviously would um, would leave us kind of the season before, um, so there was no sense of consistency here in that position until Elakobi came in for that second half of that season and made it his own and I think he would have gone to be a fixture until he had that injury I think that injury actually you know you know he suffered as a footballer um, as a result of that injury uh, from my recollection anyway just looking at some uh, deep dive into George Elikobi and trying to find some stories online and videos and such about his career and things perhaps people have missed were there any things you guys found out before I get onto uh, the list of things I found out uh it was. I found it quite difficult to find anything sort of quirky or funny about him. Everything was just about what a genuinely nice person he is, all his charity work and everything. But the one thing I did say that I, I did like, um, so I went on to Google, typed in his name, and the first forum that came up was a Leicester City forum for some reason. Right. And it was it was just a group of people sharing pictures of George Elakovi. <laughs> and it just really okay. tickled me. <laughs> but this that was what... anything I could find. This is the fascination with with the um, though, wasn't it? Before you know, the world before you know, players actually decided they wanted to be physical specimens as footballers. Mm. Um, I remember him videoing himself doing a workout. There is a YouTube video online available now where yes. he does like a like is it like like a fitness trainer style workout? Yeah, that's um, the one with his shirt off. Um, <laughs> obviously, displaying um, Mitt McCarthy's. Um, Body double, um, <laughs> you know. We we all we all you know can use our imagination what McCarthy looks like um, underneath all those clothes now. Um, but the other thing that I found uh, quite interesting was that he came over to study. Um, his mum was already over in the country, um, and uh, he was actually just, just studying um, when he decided to start playing football, and obviously was picked up by Dulwich Hamlet um, in the Isthmian, Isthmian League or however you say it um, and you know it's kind of become an accidental footballer almost as a result and you know that's you know, it's an amazing story regardless of what you think of him as um, in terms of his ability as a player um, he's, he's you know the perfect example of a player who his force of personality and will has basically create, forged this career out of essentially nothing and you know he's gone on to score winning goals against Man United, and that's you know that's only that can only be applauded in my eyes. Yeah, it is a really interesting story about how he came to play football because I think he was only seventeen when he joined that Sunday League team. So you think of that rise incredibly. But he grew up in Cameroon, but you know he had a, a very tough uh, time as a youngster. His father, his granddad, and his uncle all died in the space of ten months at one point. Um, his mom had moved to London to further her studies to help support him, and then he moved over 
when he was 16, uh, lived with her in Brixton. Um, his dad, actually, he said this in an interview with TalkSport, his dad never wanted him to be a footballer. Um, so he says here, eventually I was given the green light to join the Sunday League team and that was how the journey started. I knew I was never going to be a professional footballer and uh, as I wasn't going to be allowed to, but it's amazing how things click. Before I knew it, within a year and a half I was being of being in the country, I was being scouted by Dulwich Hamlet and that's how the journey all started. So it was an incredible rise really. Um, just looking at some of the things I found out, do you remember the time when we stayed up against when we lost to Blackburn but stayed up but he uh, poured water all over was it champagne all over Mick McCarthy and that's where Mick McCarthy said if it was anyone but Ellie Kobe I'd do him what a long hard season what a slog you got to 40 points and still it... come on Gumpa it... yes <laughs> yes if it wasn't Ellie Kobe I'd do it <laughs> Mick you don't you don't argue with him no, no, not at all. My body double, have you seen him? Look, that's my body double's up for me. So. Well deserved. And that's where the, uh, the body double bit comes up as well. Um, there was a story from last year, I kind of half remember this, October last year, when, as he's playing for Maidstone now, which we'll touch on in a sec, he went into the crowd in a game yes. against Braintree to confront a fan. He did it in Eric Dyer, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think he he's slightly, but, um, it's slightly worrying that... Um, he was trying to take on a fan in the stands. I mean, he'd probably take on the entire stand himself. Yeah. Um, he needs a mick with him, doesn't he? He does. He does. Um, but, you know, you'd obviously mix them both up with them stood next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this stat I found out as well, which I don't know, either Elikobe is the only one or is one of the only players to have scored in the Premier League, the Championship, League One, League Two, National League and National League South. That's exceptional. That's yeah. incredible. So I'm there hoping be, he's the only one. There can't be many who've even played in all of those leagues. No, no. I think I remember there's a really popular quiz question about um, Robert Earnshaw where he scored a hat-trick in every league, including international football um, from League Two all the way up or something. So, you know, for Elikobia left-back to kind of be in that same kind of vein, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I also... Um, I, had, I was having a, doing a bit of research and found out that um, he never actually played through, um, but was called up twice. And the second time round, um, the, a friendly was was due to be played, but it got cancelled, and there was no reason given for the cancellation of the friendly. So he could have been due to get his first his own his first cap for Cameroon. And um, you know, it, it all it was all just kind of taken away from him for no reason, which is. Uh, you know, real kind of hard luck. A lot of it is hard luck stories, but at the same time, he's obviously had an incredible career from where he came from. Like Andy, when I was uh, Googling George Elikobi, I found a Football Manager 2020 page that gives you all the stats of the players. So I looked at Elikobi's, and I, I don't know how, with these stats, this guy is playing in the you know the real lower leagues. So his best attributes are obviously strength is 19, that, that, that's a given. But he's got bravery 18, determination 18, leadership 16, work rate 15. Um, and I was like, those are incredible stats. But I like, looking at the, the player traits, like to switch ball to other flank. Did he ever do that at Wolves? <laughs> <laughs> um, dives into ta- I'd love to see that. Dives into tackles. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also argues with officials. Did he ever do that? I don't I remember that. Officials argued with him. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so some uh, some little tidbits we found there on George of the Kobe. And then at the end of his time at Wolves, he had a couple of loan spells at Forest and Bristol City between 2012 and 2013. Uh, when Kenny Jackett came in, um, he did offer him a fresh start, but he only seemed to make nine appearances in that season. Um, and then eventually he left the club in 2014 after not receiving a new contract. James, we talked before about... Uh, we haven't seen perhaps a physique of Ella Kobe since uh, well, was it, well, then since Troy came in, um, and there's never really been a, ca- uh, a comparison between the two. And we signed Troy Ray. The big question is, gentlemen, who wins in the battle between those two? <laughs> peak Ella Kobe or uh, peak Troy Ray? That's a tough question, but they would be the greatest tag team of all time. <laughs> they would. I think you know what Troy Ray seems a little bit more timid personality wise um and if it came to a bat- came down to a battle of wills i was listening to the old gold club again like i said um, earlier today and two things I, t- I took from it he likes to talk ella kobe loves to talk mm-hmm. he has this willpower and fire in his belly and determination that has obviously taken him so far in his career and we get that with a lot of footballers these days they don't really seem to talk themselves up um, they're quite happy to, you know, be quite self-effacing, and yeah, he's someone who will quite happily talk himself up in the context of I was always ready, my mentality was always there. It was all about progressing, going further and further and further, and I really don't think Adama could cope with that, to be honest. But would he not no. be one of these bad guys though, who keeps talking and they just reveal the plan, gives Troy enough time just to do what he needs to do? See. I see. I think it could be more of a case of Traore would punch himself out. He would just be. You'd get in a load of punches, but he'd get end up tired. Whereas Ella Kobe <laughs> would land one and just kill you. So just like Homer in in The Simpsons when he yeah, has that boxing match it, yeah. and he just the opponents have to tire themselves out. Yeah, that's absolutely what Ella Kobe would do. Uh, one punch wonder. <laughs> um, and then after Wolves, um, he went to Oldham Athletic. Uh, for a season, but he had his longest stint at Colchester, the, the club after, where he made uh, 46 appearances and scored three goals in uh, two years. And he's been at many clubs since then, and he's now currently at Maidstone United. Uh, Gents, to wrap up this uh, alternative Hall of Fame uh, inductee for George Elokobi, what was it, do you think, that made Elokobi such an instant hit with fans then? And why do you think he was he still loved to this day? For me, there's, there's two things that spring to mind when I think of Ella Kobe. One was his bromance with Ronald Zubar. That they were a bit like Wolves' version of the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks when they got together. And I, I loved yeah. that. And it, it was, they always just had a smile on their faces when they were doing it. And it was, it was very heartwarming. And the other thing that springs to mind is when he left Wolves, that final game when he did the lap of honour pretty much on his own. And you could see like he was upset and everything he didn't want to leave Wolves he genuinely loves the club and the area and I think that whenever you see a player like that you love them back because you can tell that they love you as well so I think that was a big reason why he was taken to heart yeah I think with Ella Kobe there's there's an element of he's he's kind of salt of the earth he's, he's come from nothing to become you know a, a footballer of some repute obviously um and he he has this kind of relatable side to him where he really understands what the fans appreciate in a footballer 
not obviously the most gifted footballer in the world, but he made the most of his ability. Um, and I think we all can kind of appreciate that um, to some regard, um, which, you know, in our hearts for sure. And I think we'll leave it there, gents. That's George Edekobi, the third inductee into the Wolves Fancast Hall of Fame. Um, if you've got a suggestion for someone who you think we should induct into the Hall of Fame, someone who was you know, a fan favourite, a cult favourite of yours, who uh, may not necessarily get into a, a proper Hall of Fame but needs to be acknowledged anyway, you know, email us, podcast at wolvesfancast.com or contact us on the socials, just type in Wolves Fancast and you will find us there. Well done, George. Welcome to the club. Uh, gentlemen, Gully Andy, thanks for your time again, gents, and uh, stay safe in the lockdown.